Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Podcast One presents The Doctor and Mrs. Guinea Pig Show with Heather and Terry Dubrow. Does it work or is it a crock? No worries. Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig are on the case. This is Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig. I'm Heather Dubrow. And I'm Dr. Terry Dubrow. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Hello. So So, we had an In the Vault episode last week. Right. And then today I kicked my wife's butt in cardio. You so did not kick my butt. so destroyed you. Uh, How many splat points did you get? Uh, Splat points, by the way, are the time you spend... It, above 84% of your maximum heart rate, which is supposed to be the exercise post-oxygen consumption zone, meaning where you're in anaerobic metabolism, meaning when you're above 84% of your max heart rate, you continue after you stop for a longer period of time burning calories. And that's it's the, the more, theory. It's the theory. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's all about exercise physiology. Mm-hmm. And so – Splat points are how much time did you spend 84% of your max heart rate or above? And I spent 22 minutes in the splat point zone. What'd I get? 24? 36. 36 today? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Where'd I go? We're going to check. We're going to check because I don't think you did 36 today. I think I did 36. You did 36. Yeah. (laughs) You burned, you worked out for an hour? Yeah, 53 minutes, whatever it was. I worked, uh, you, you burned 578 calories. Right. I, I worked out for what, 30 minutes because I go to lift weights afterwards. Right. I do only half the class, the high intensity class, and I burn 564 calories. Uh, go ahead, tell me I'm heavier. Well, yeah, there's that, ahead. but there's also that I'm doing work on the floor, so my heart rate totally goes down. So I'm doing what you do at the gym when you're lifting weights, but I do it there. Except I lift weights for an hour with the trainer. Oh, well, so there's right. that. By the way, okay, you win. <laughs> it's funny because rolls its eyes. No, it's funny because I have a lot of thoughts as I emerge in this older zone that I'm oh, entering. Dear, into. here we go. And you know, I'm one of these people. If someone dies, I that I don't know very well. You look good. Oh, thank you. Okay. If someone dies that I don't know very well, I spend the next two weeks looking them up on YouTube and exploring their life. For example, Anthony Bourdain, as I've talked about before, I didn't really know exactly who he was. I know he was like the cool chef and the world traveler and all that stuff, but I really didn't start exploring him till after he passed away. And then, of course, John McCain has just passed away, and I didn't know that much about him either. And so I, I'm watching all the former presidents give the eulogies about this incredible human being. And then as I enter into this final phase of my life, which hopefully will last about 30 years, I watch, you know, older people talk about what it's like to get older on YouTube. Isn't that, isn't this ridiculous? I do research. No, I get it. So I was watching this thing of Michael Douglas and Robert De Niro talking about what it's like getting older. Now they're significant. How old are they? They're in their mid seventies. Okay. So, but that's not that far away for me. I mean, 20 years, it's funny. When you're 20, 20 years to age 40 is a lifetime. Right. When you're 60, 60 to 80 is five minutes. 
I don't know. I guess we'll find out. No, what I'm saying is time <laughs> goes much faster. Remember how long it used to take to spend to, for two weeks to go by? I remember in the day, it's two weeks till school ends. You think, oh my God, two weeks took forever right. for the summer vacation. Now, when something's in two weeks, that's soon. it's tomorrow. Yeah. If I know I have a, I do a lot of expert medical malpractice witness work for the California Medical Board. If I know I have a trial in two weeks, I start studying now. Because there's no way I'm going to be subjected to that three-day-before thing. But anyway, you know the the classic phrase, youth is wasted on the young? Mm -hmm. I actually have a new thought about exercise and getting older. I actually think exercise is wasted on the young. That is so weird you're saying this. I had the same exact thought today. Tell me. I was thinking about, because I was going to talk about this on Heather DuBrose World, but we could talk about it here. I was thinking that, gosh, you you know how people talk about you know, if I could tell my 20 year old self something, my gosh, I wish that I had discovered the beauty of exercise, appropriate exercise, like working out, not like a crazy person, but in an appropriate way, what it does for your head and your heart and your body and everything, the longevity it gives you and the strength and energy. Right. But my point with this is that I think exercise to have discovered it back then would be great. Although you did exercise. You yeah, but not, like, but not effectively. All right. But I think that exercise is a thousand times more important as you get older. I agree. And that exercise is wasted on the young. To My point is, yes, it's important to exercise your whole life. Yes, you want to exercise when you're younger because you do it for vanity mostly. Right. But health-wise, it's a thousand times more important to exercise as you get older. And... As you get older and older and older, the amount of time you spend exercising should go up. And when you're younger, the benefits of exercise are not as significant as when you're older. I'm talking physiologically. Yeah, no, I get it. But but what I always say, I I agree with everything you're saying. I just also think that for me personally, it would have been nice to have started earlier so it wasn't so difficult to get on track. Right. But right. I agree with that. But here here we are now. So I'm getting older. I'm in the last third, maybe the last 5%. Here we go. <laughs> but I'm, I'm in the last third for sure. And I realize, and you know, it's not like as I'm getting older, I have more free time. I actually have less free time because I have more things going on. That you enjoy. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say it's bad. Yeah. I'm just saying I have less free time than I've ever had before. And it's all about priorities, but I realize that it's so much more important to exercise when you're older than it is when you're younger. So much more important because your body naturally will start to degrade and start to age and start to degenerate. And so if you exercise, it reverses the active process of dying, of aging, of degenerating. Okay, so when you're young, you're not aging, you're not degenerating physiologically, your body's mechanisms are, you don't need, you don't need to exercise to, to be alive, to stay alive. You're going to stay alive because you're young. Right. As you get older, so let's say you're supposed to do 30 minutes a day when you're younger or exercise daily, you should, you should do without fail exercise every single day after the age of 45, 50, 55, and particularly 60, 65, 70, every single day. But that doesn't mean you have to run a marathon. It just means you have to do something. 
Okay. I mean, I'm saying like, cause some people think, oh gosh, that sounds like so much to work out every day, but it doesn't have to be going, you know, balls to the walls all out every single day. Some days it could be like a gentle hike or it could be, you know, um, I don't know, a walk with friends around the lake or whatever it is. No, I don't agree with that. No, I think, you think no. you have to sweat like a crazy person no, every day? No, I, who said, where am I saying that you have to sweat like a crazy person? I'm saying walk by the lake, forget that. I think that's, that's thinking 30 years ago, walk by the lake, take some steps. I think you need to exercise. Now, that doesn't mean you need to kill yourself, but you know, I'm not talking extremes here. I'm talking exercise every single day. So exercise means to get your heart rate elevated. Walking around the lake is not elevated. Well, I didn't mean strolling. I meant like power walking around the lake. I just meant, and I agree with what you're saying, but I guess I'm thinking about what I do because I work out every day, but there are some days I just don't have it in me and I kind of mark it. It's just, you know. Well, by market, guess, you mean you exercise. Right. But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it doesn't have to be like all out every I'm single day. I'm not talking intensity. Oh, okay. Okay. Because what I've done is I've gotten older. I have changed the way I exercise. When I was younger, it used to be about intensity. As I get older, it's about frequency. So I think you need to say to yourself, okay, how old are you? If you're... 30, yeah, you need you need exercise four or five times a week and it should be pretty intense. If you're 40, same thing. If you're 50, dial down the intensity and dial up the frequency. And then when you're 60 and beyond, you're kidding yourself if you don't think you need to do something every day. You need to do something every day. Now, whatever it is, it is you go for a 10 minutes of jumping jacks. But you have to do something every single day because if you don't get hurry up getting fit, getting staying in shape, you could, you're hurrying up dying. Yeah, and there's also flexibility and joint that's, movement. That's and, where I'm a loser. I have no flexibility. Well, we're changing that. Well, we have a new stretching instructor. <laughs> Her name, and she's brutal. She's from the Eastern European part of the country. She's like she could be... She could have trained the Russians in the 60s for the Olympics. Her name is Coco. Oh, my God. She's so funny. So our seven-year-old Coco, who's a black belt, first-degree black belt in karate, has decided that she wants to be our stretching trainer. Well, because I told her I want to do a split for my birthday in January. She's like, okay, but she's so mean. It's so funny. So she, you know, every night we come home or we just finished eating and then she comes in and she all of a sudden adopts this strange accent. It's like a some, Ukrainian accent. It's, it's an Eastern European something accent suddenly that she <laughs> possesses and she now demands that we get up. What is her accent? I can't do the accent. It's, and I don't know where she got it from, but it's so funny. She's like, she puts a shell on the floor. She goes, reach for the shell, reach for the shell. I know you can do it. And then if we laugh, she goes, not in my class. <laughs> My like, God, it's so brutal. funny. But then she pulls my foot to the side. I'm like, yeah. ah. Oh, I know. So funny. But I'm anyway, really my point determined. with this is, is it, you know how you have to eat? You have to exercise when you get older. And again, what Heather's saying, to Heather's point is, we're not talking about killing yourself. We're talking about moving all the time. And it has to be every day. How much do you guys love Wet n Wild? You know I love my Wet n Wild 666 lip liner. Well, guess what I'm now obsessed with? Wet n Wild's Mega Last Liquid Catsuit Lipsticks. 
But be warned, these lipsticks are not for the faint of heart. They have 22 vibrant, ultra-pigmented shades and serious staying power. You're going to be turning heads all day long. Are you looking to rock the bold lip trend? Wet n Wild's got you covered with their fiery catsuit lipstick and flame of the game. Ready to show your wild side? Try out any of their show-stopping metallic shades to add even more spice to your look. And don't worry, no matter how bold you go, Wet n Wild's lightweight moisturizing formula provides comfortable wear. Macadamia nut provides moisture and vitamin E improves the appearance of the texture of your lips. And they're available in all these incredible fragrance-free, gluten-free, and cruelty-free shades. So pucker up and catsuit your lips with these standout liquid lipsticks. Available right now for the incredible price of $4.99 at www.wetandwildbeauty.com slash catsuit or at major food, drug, and mass retailers. That's wet and wild, W-E-T, the letter N, wildbeauty.com. Well, let's answer some questions from the hotline. Okay. Um, Oh, by the way, if you guys don't know the hotline, I've given it out before on uh, Heather Dubrow's World, but for uh, you can leave your questions for Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig on this line too, which a lot of you do. And it's 949-439-5159. That's 949-439-5159. And you can leave your questions there. You can text us. You can call us. Um, you can even FaceTime us. Sometimes I pick up the phone. Okay, here we go. Are you ready, honey? Yep. Hi, Heather and Terry. Then this goes to what we were just talking about. I'm curious to your answer to this. I'm a night nurse, and I work the graveyard shift Monday to Friday, five nights a week, and I've noticed that no matter how well I eat or how much I exercise, nature is just always against me, and I'm constantly run down and tired and sometimes in a funk. Uh, because of my schedule. Yeah. I drink a little caffeine on my way to work and then the beginning of my shift and I try to go to the gym on the way home instead of when I wake up because I never know how long I get to sleep for. She's smart. Yeah, I've ordered your beats this past weekend. I'm hoping they'll give me the energy I'm looking for. Should I continue to work out after work or change it to when I wake up in the late afternoon evening? Also, what advice do you have for night shifters to keep themselves healthy and feeling normal on a day-to-day basis? Thanks, guys. Love your show. Samantha in New Jersey. Boy, I can totally relate to that person. Because right. when you're when you train to be a doctor, you spend so much of your training period, years and years and years doing that kind of night shift. You're tired all the time. You're never really feeling perfect. First of all, I would tell her, Samantha, Samantha, that honestly, steal the exercise as much as you can. Meaning, hey, if you're on the way home and you feel like crap, but you're able to get your exercise in, get it in. I don't think it really matters when. I think it matters if. Now, if what I'm concerned with her is she's if she's able to make it work that on the way home she can exercise even if it's only a little bit, Keep doing that because if you say, oh, do it when you wake up, you know, from your sleep, if you start doing it less, if if it doesn't work for you, you have to figure out what works for you. I think keep, I think exercising on the way home is the thing to do for her. The only thing I wonder with her is that on the way home, she's going home to sleep, right? Right. So now she's exercising and pumping herself up. I don't know how easy it is to then just go to sleep. I'm wondering if that's why maybe she's tired. I think actually... Personally, she should try working out when she wakes up. She will have been fasting, so it'll be cardio fasting, and it could potentially give her that energy she needs to get through her night shift. Just as long, yeah, I agree that's better, just as long as she's able to do it. So maybe I would say try that. Right, and then if if you find that you're doing it less frequently, you're able to motivate yourself less often, then go back to just doing it when you can. So I would tell her, first of all, when you're doing a night shift, you're 
unfortunately, fighting physiology and you're fighting the way to a certain degree the body works. And the way the body works is that sunshine, light is meant to wake you up. Right. You're meant to respond to light by the secretion of these uh, stress hormones that wake you up. There's these little glands on your kidney called the adrenal glands. They make cortisol and other awakeness hormones. And in the morning when your body sees light, that stimulates your adrenal glands to wake you up. And that's why... Daylight savings suck so bad. That is also <laughs> why the whole idea is that keep your room as dark as possible, turn off your electronics, even those little lights can bug you and can stimulate your adrenal glands to wake you up. So she's fighting normal physiology. Right. So she, the best thing she needs to do is to get into a system that's very programmed, you know, that's very consistent. You know, they say the most important thing about getting a good night's sleep, and believe me, I, I can give lectures on how to get a good night's sleep, but I never get a good night's sleep. The, lec- the main point is consistency with a program. You're supposed to go to sleep at the same time, wake up at the same time, don't sleep in on the weekends, get a very regimented program if you're a crummy sleeper. But for her, I think she needs supplements. I think she needs vitamin D. I think she needs vitamin C. She needs to get on her omegas. She needs to take her baby aspirin. She, resveratrol. She needs resveratrol. She needs homocysteine. She needs a big supplementation program because she's messing with her normal, what's called diurnal variation, which means a twice a day variation in the way the hormones that are secreted that wake you up and put you to sleep. She's going against those. So she needs to maximize supplementation. But do whatever works. Try what Heather said. If you find that you're exercising in a given week or month less often, go back to exercising exhausted. Whatever works. So uh, have you noticed on the Apple phone they have this thing called bedtime? Mm-hmm. So, they, so it says going to bed and waking up at the same time every day are keys to healthy sleep. Bedtime can help. So you answer a few questions and then it'll give you a reminder when it's time to go to bed. It's like having a mother in your pocket. Time to go to bed. But here's my question. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Do you sleep better if you go to sleep at the same oh, time yeah. every night? Oh, yeah. You program your system. Really? No. Oh, yeah. Sleep studies. Sleep studies are done. I remember when I was a medical student, there was a guy named Dr. Zimmerman. He was the head of the – he's a neurologist okay. at UCLA. And he was the head and one of the first guys to actually have a sleep lab. Huh. And now sleep labs are sort of a regular thing in in hospitals. And they, just like everything else, just like we understand interval eating, intermittent fasting and cardio fasting and autophagy and all those things that we understand now, we've learned to biohack our body. We really do have an understanding of how you should sleep. And unfortunately, it's one of the hardest things to do. Because I, you know, I don't like, I, I like to be awake. I don't like to sleep. I mean, I like the feeling of having slept, but I don't, sleeping for me is like, no, I'll sleep when I'm dead, but it's the wrong attitude, however. But the one prevailing fact that we no question appreciate, and Apple obviously totally understands that, is that you need to sleep train yourself. Just like you do a child, like a baby. The body sleeps better when you go to sleep at 
this time every night and wake up at this time every day. God, I just, that's so simple. And I never thought about yeah, this before. But, You're right. It's exactly like the babies. They learn how to sleep. They know they if you put them down at seven, they're sleeping until 7 a.m. Well, it's again, it goes back to the same thing I actually think about exercise in youth. I mean, it's more important probably to sleep train yourself as you get older. So let me, so what happens like if you have a weekday sleep time and a weekend sleep time? Well, what you're saying is me sleeping. Like what if you want to go out on the weekends? And are you going to be more tired because you're used to going to- You mean stay out later? Yeah. Yeah, no, you should get up anyway, same time. But are you going to be exhausted? I guess my point is, let's say your sleep time is 9 p.m., right? Right. And you go to sleep at 9 and your body gets used to it. And then you want to go out to dinner and hang out with your friends or whatever. And you stay up till? 10, 30, 11. Get up at the same time next morning. Right, but are you going to be exhausted? I mean, at night, will you be able to handle staying up later? Or is your body going to be like, oh my God, it's bedtime? Well, I think it's easy to stay up later sometimes. Well, it's not that. It's the question, will you stay asleep? If you mess up your sleep cycle, like if you, if you on a Friday night, you instead of going to sleep at 9, you go to sleep at 11, 11.30 because you stayed out later. And you're used to getting up at 8 or 7. Get up at 8 or 7. Get less sleep. Don't make up for the sleep. It doesn't work. Crazy. I can't sleep in anyway. Yeah, we sleep terribly. We... Dr. Ms. Guinea Pig are terrible. We do everything well, relationship, exercise, health, wellness, and beauty, but we don't do sleep very well. This episode is sponsored by ADT Home Security. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection, a new smart home at your service customized for your lifestyle. You can explore the vast number of things you can do with your secure smart home. You can set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do things like lock the doors, set the thermostat when you leave, even close your garage door from virtually everywhere. I mean, how many times do you drive out and go, hmm, did I close the door? Did I not close the door? You can control your smart home with the ADT app or the sound of your voice. And don't worry about installing and configuring your system. ADT is going to do it for you. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, garage door controls, even video doorbells. It's all controlled from the ADT app or the sound of your voice. ADT automation that arms your system, locks your doors, and turns down your lights and thermostat. So visit ADT.com slash smart to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. If you like my show, you're going to love House of Kim with Kim zolziak Bierman. Kim has done it all from motherhood to music to the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Join Kim each week as she talks with husband Croy and her amazing family and friends. Listen to House of Kim each week exclusively on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now, back to Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig with Terry and Heather Dubrow. Okay, I, there's a bunch of questions about being menopausal. So I'm just going to I'm gonna kind of lump them together okay. so you can just talk about this in general. Um Hi, I'm 38 and already menopausal. Oh, wow. I'm intermittent fasting, but I've noticed that I seem to be losing a lot of hair when I shampoo and brush. I wondered whether it was related to the fasting or menopause and how best to solve this. Love you guys and looking forward to the diet book, Amanda in the UK. And then, do you want to hear the other one too? Hi. uh, Hi, guys. I love the idea of texting you questions. Thank you for making it possible. I'm 53 years old, going through menopause. I know that because my period has stopped and I've gained 15 pounds and I can't lose it. Yeah. I have no other symptoms. Can you and Terry talk about what women my age need to know and do about this stage of life? Thank you. Love listening to you and Dr. Dubrow. You know, I think the men, the men, first of all, if you're 38 going through menopause, obviously that's something you want to discuss with your doctor. Not that it's unhealthy or indicative of any disease states, but it's, that's pretty early. Yeah. 
Um, and you might need hormone supplementation. You certainly need other supplements for sure. You're 38 going through menopause. But I think that when I see and hear this constantly in my practice all the time, you know, as I've gone through menopause, I just gain weight. And, um, yeah, I think that certain systems in your body are not using metabolic energy. Okay. Meaning what? What does that mean? Menstruation, I think, uses a lot of energy. Oh, I see. And I think the shedding and redevelopment of your uterine lining requires energy. And when you're, that system shuts down, okay, you've got a lot of extra calories hung over. And now, you know, also obviously there's changes in the way we store fat as our estrogen levels change. Yeah. And so um, with the typical peri and postmenopausal weight gain, that's where interval eating is even more important. But again, it goes to what I was saying at the beginning of this, which is that's when you say to yourself, okay, so my body just, my basal metabolic rate is going down. The amount of calories I just burn on a daily basis, just staying alive is reducing. That's so interesting. Because my body's now not going up and down with its, you know, reproductive system. So this is why... I'm sorry, Katerina was texting me and it just basically copied everything you were just saying. Talk about the hair loss thing because she was talking about hair loss and intermittent fasting versus, is it is that like from a menopause thing? Is that common to lose your hair with menopause? Well, I think that the various stages of hair growth are obviously hormonally affected. And you know, this DHT, 5-HT reductase, all those things that cause men to lose their hair and not women is related to testosterone and estrogen conversion. And so there's going to be temporary changes in your hair. I don't think it's related to intermittent fasting at all. Um, So if this person is losing hair because of um, menopause, uh, it, it's not due to intermittent fasting. Right, because doesn't intermittent fasting actually sometimes grow your hair? Because that's what I found. I found my skin is tight, my skin looks good, my hair feels thicker. That's how I feel mm-hmm. interval eating has done for me. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Our Facebook group that's on the Dubrow diet, they're also saying amazing things like that. Like their hair is thicker and their skin looks great and they're feeling great. Can you believe the results they're getting? Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so excited for everyone to meet them and hear all their stories and see their before and afters. Yeah. Because it's really cool. And actually, I think Tammy and Greg are coming on Dr. Phil with us, right? Oh, that's cool. Did you see his latest pictures? Oh my God, he's lost so much He weight. looks so good. All right, here. let me find another question here. Here we go. Hi, Heather and Terry. I have a plastic surgery question for you. I'm a 31-year-old female who had a breast augmentation five years ago. About two and a half years post-op, I started to notice my right breast took on an almost tubular appearance where the bottom of the breast became rather flat. For reference, I have a submuscular 600cc implants with an inframammary incision and had a small B-cup before surgery. When I flex my pectoral muscles, the right implant raises up and out a bit at the bottom especially so you can see the shape of the implant. My left breast is still perfectly teardrop shaped, so only the right breast has been affected. Any idea what caused this, and is there anything other than surgery that I can do to correct this? Love you guys and listen religiously each week. Caitlin from Phoenix. What do you think it is, honey? 
I think she has um, capsular contracture. Exactly. So the most common complication of breast implants is capsular contracture. It's foreign body reaction to the implants. And um, scar tissue typically it forms all the way around the implant, but it squeezes off the lower part of the mound and pushes the implant up. And that's why she's seeing flattening of the lower part. And so capsular contracture occurs in four grades, grade one to four. And um, the most severe grades require surgery, which is called a capsulotomy, where you make an incision inside um, and you lower the pocket. And then sometimes if you can catch it early on, you can start a medication to minimize it. Isn't it like a asthma medication? Yeah. It's like an asthma medication. So I have, I remember hearing people who look like they were about to have capsular contracture and the doctor's telling them to massage it. Can that avoid capsular contracture? No, I don't really think so. I mean, a lot of, you know, there's, we used to tell patients to massage it after surgery. You don't do that anymore? We do, but it's more of a surveillance for them to let to let us know when it's starting to tighten up. Because if you can capture it when it's tightening up, you theoretically can start the medication and prevent it from going to the severe grades that need surgery. So I'm looking at your hat, and it's the Amanjiri hat, and I'm staring at it, and I'm thinking, why? Where did – what was Amanjiri? That was Utah. Yes. So you know what I was thinking about is, you know, when we started the show today, we were talking, you were talking about, you know, this, the last third of your life and what's important exercise wise. Mm -hmm. I think we should talk a little bit about what's important emotionally, because I think what you and I have been doing lately, not on purpose, but I think it's just been happening is we've been gravitating towards certain people in our lives and away from other people in our lives. We we're gravitating towards people that are lighter and more fun and, you know, choosing to spend our time with happier people. Do you see that at all? Well, I have no patience for hanging out with people who I feel compete with me. I feel who want me to fail secretly. Right. And you know who they are. Yeah. You all have friends who you compete with, who... When times are good, you're both okay, but if you're starting to hurt a little bit for whatever reason, that you know they're secretly so happy. happy about Schadenfreude. it. Schadenfreude. Yeah. Um, I really, really only want to be with people who want to celebrate life at this point. And so I'd rather be alone than hang out with someone. I think, you know, I've never really been one of these people who need a lot of friends anyway, but a lot of people need to have friends and a group they run in and you for a long time ran with these girls half of which I couldn't stand right and you know you're all competing with each other the way you dressed and the way your hair looked and the things you talked about it was just it was just like a game and you're over that now well I think you go through different stages in your life your teens high school years are one way college years are one way 20s you just you go through these different stages but that's my exactly my point exactly what you're saying you get over that stuff you start going who cares all I care about is you know living in the dash enjoying the people that I want to I want to be with people that enjoy that celebrate life the way we do so but that's why I'm looking at your hat and I'm thinking you know, we've been away recently on a few different trips with people who are fun 
and happy and feel successful and want success for you. I mean, that's the kind of people you should gravitate towards, especially as you get older. I 100% agree. I I just, um, I, I no longer need to have friendships to have friendships. I think when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, you need to have friends because you're supposed to have friends. Right. And aren't there also obligations when you're younger that you feel like, I must do this, it's appropriate to do this. Mm -hmm. You feel obligated to do things. I think one of the great things you get with getting older is you feel like, screw it, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they always say, learn how to say no. And I'm pretty good at saying no. (laughs) Well, it's also incredibly difficult to get into my life right now. I, You're I, very protected. I'm very protected. I'm walled off. I mean, it's funny. When you come in to see me as a patient, um, you can't spend two seconds alone with me. There's always three women in the room with me. My staff knows exactly what I'm going to say because they've been with me for so long that the, a patient will ask me a question and they, they answer. They try to answer and I go, you know, they probably want to hear me say it even though you know <laughs> the answers to it. So, um, but I just want to have a good time. Pluto TV is leading free streaming television service. Watch over a hundred TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Go download Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. That's Pluto TV. All right, let's take one more question here. Okay, question. I'm currently lying in bed with a cold wishing for death. What do Dr. and Mrs. Dubrow do when they come down with a virus? P.S. It will make me feel better about myself if you say lie in bed and watch Netflix as opposed to go to the gym and sweat it out, Todd. <laughs> uh, I think lying in bed and sweating it out is the way to go. Here's the, here's the thing. You know, the whole feed of fever, starve of flu or whatever. Starve of cold, feed of fever. Yeah. No, uh, feed of cold, starve whatever. of fever. Whatever. The whole thing is, is that if you have a fever, you shouldn't work out. Because a oh, by the way, if you have a fever, the old thinking was you should take Tylenol, which is an anti-pyrogen. It's an anti-inflammatory that lowers your temperature. It's recently become a lot more clear. Two things. One, 98.6 is BS. That guy who discovered, did that original study that 98.6 is, is the normal temperature, he actually used a different kind of temperature a thermometer than we use. Really? Yeah. So So what does that equate to in our thermometers? Do you know? Yeah. It's like 97.9. Huh. Yeah. And so the feeling now is, number one, that a temperature of 99 is probably a fever. Really? Yeah. Or 99.3 or 4. And number – so that's one thing. So we're sort of in medicine lowering our – um, concern, raising our concern about fevers. Not, not, not really concerned, but it, like if you have, it used to be in, in surgery, it's, it has to be 101.5. Right. We didn't say you were febrile till you're 101.5. Now we feel like you're probably pretty febrile at 100.4. That's our new number. And then secondly, 
if you have a temperature, what do you usually do? Take, an, take a, a Tylenol, which is known to break the fever. But your body is, when your body is sick, it releases these proteins called pyrogens, which are designed to elevate your body temperature because viruses and bacteria don't don't multiply and duplicate very well in the presence of a fever. Okay. It's not a good environment. That's why your body makes a fever. That's why it heats up. It's not a good not as opposed to baking cookies in the oven, bacteria and viruses don't bake very well in higher temperatures. So your body is elevating its temperature to minimize the growth of the bacteria and viruses. That's how it's killing it. Yeah. So we're sort of starting to feel like, you know, if you've got a fever, you probably shouldn't necessarily do anti-fever measures so readily. You probably let it let it bake a little bit. Oh. Yeah. How that, long do you think you do that? I for? mean, if you're if you're febrile enough that forget about the actual temperature, but if you're febrile enough that you feel horrible, then okay, you can break you can take some Tylenol so you feel better. But if you have a low-grade fever, probably shouldn't take a Tylenol to lower your fever. Let the fever go. Now, the reason you do that with children, obviously, because they can spike really high temperatures, is that they may you know, have febrile seizures. That's right, not right, good for right. the brain. But it's, so you're talking more for adults. Yeah. I think you know, if you've got, you got a fever, if you feel hot, stay hot. Let it go. Really? Yeah. That's, the, that's not my fever. That's, that's the... The new emerging prevailing theory in American medicine right now. That's crazy. I never. So do you, do adults should adults do the same thing now that you've brought this up that kids do? Because I like with the kids, you do every other. Like you give them Tylenol, and then maybe four hours later you give them um, Motrin, and then two hours after yeah, that you give not. them Tylenol. Probably let it bake. Probably the huh. smartest thing to do. Yeah. Oh, and so so getting to the question: If you have a fever, you shouldn't exercise. You should not exercise. And and so even if your temperature is sort of 99.3, which you think, well, that's not very, you know, if you feel hot, if you feel febrile, if someone feels your skin and you and that you're warm, yeah, you probably should skip working out that day. Because I think working out can accelerate you getting sick for sure. Yeah, I was so sick. What was it, two weeks ago? Yeah. So in other words, go – yeah, go to bed, Netflix. watch Netflix. <laughs> if you feel crappy, take an Advil, take a Tylenol. But if you if you can tolerate the fever, you know, ba- let the bacteria – it's multi it, – by the way, it's viruses we're really talking about. It's unlikely you have a bacterial infection. Mo- 99% of the time when you have a fever, it's a virus. It's not a bacteria. I know because you've told me that everyone wants to give you antibiotics. Don't take them. Right. Don't take them. Um so that's so exciting. So what are we going to do if we can't go to Cabo um, for your birthday? The weather doesn't look that good. Were we talking about going to Napa? Would you, would you enjoy that? The, the, well, if the Bellows go with us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've become very good friends with Mike and Nancy Bellow, and they are so Life affirming and so fun. Well, that's why I brought up. That's why I'm looking at your hat. I'm thinking we went to Utah with yeah. them. They were one of the couples we were with, but we've been friends with them for a long know, time, 10 long years. time. Yeah. But gotten very close recently, and um, you know, 
This guy, Mike Bellow and Nancy, I just they just make me laugh. They're so I have fun. so much fun with them. And they're, they're so, cool. They're, they're cool. There's no negativity. No. Um, but those are the kinds of friends you want. We love when they're successful. They like love when we're successful. Yeah. You want friends like that. Yeah. Anyone can be a friend to you when the chips are down. Yeah. You want those friends that like enjoy your success. No question. I mean, you know, look, we've all had these friends that you hang on to that are really negative influences in your life. And it's really hard to jettison those friends in your life. But I'm telling you, once you do it, it's a positive mood, a move. So if you have a friend who, you know, is equal parts anguish and fun, I say dump them. Dump them. Dump them. Find a new friend. We were talking about parties recently. I was talking to one of my friends and I was, and I was saying, I don't think you should, because they were talking about, oh, do I have to invite this person or that person to the party? And I said, if you don't want to sit next to them, don't invite them. I agree. That means you don't want to hang out with them. That means they're filler. It means you need to have them there for some other reason. It's weird. Get rid of those people. Right, hang right. out with people that you love. Yeah. So, and I love you. I'm going to hang out with you today. Oh, yeah. So if we, go to, if we go to Napa, the problem with going to Napa is I will overeat. I will probably sample too much libation. <laughs> and I will gain seven pounds. I guess who cares? But – well, we can train for it. Do you know how, like, when you know you're going to well, have... Well, that's what I'm doing right now because I, so I work, I'm trying to do five, five cardios a week and very short cardio, five cardios a week and lift weights every day, but, um, keep it short. But, uh, so I, I'm doing this intense cardio for the next four days straight in anticipation of my overeating birthday, which, which I suspect <laughs> is going to be in Napa and not you do? Cabo. You know, Should yeah. I check the weather? Well, I mean, Cabo, this is what? the classic worst time of year. Oh, I know. But you know, we've been there in September before. Well, we've been to Mexico in September when we had a thing and it rained seven days straight. So I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not subjecting myself to that. No, that would not be a good birthday weekend. No, but that's the typical thing we do, unfortunately. We go, we, I can't tell you how many times in my memory that we've gone on vacation. We get there and they go, oh yeah, this is the rainiest week of the year. And that's when we But remember, it. our luck has changed this last year. We went, remember we went to, in two years, last two years, everywhere we've gone, it's been great. Yeah. We've been very lucky. Yeah. So hopefully the trend will right, continue. Right, but I'm not going to make the, the big mistake. No. Yeah. Especially not on your birthday, but we'll wait till the last second and see. Yeah. We've, I have both plans in place, yeah. so we're good. Good. Okay, now it's the holiday weekend, although when you guys will be hearing this, it'll be over, so I hope you all had a beautiful and safe and wonderful holiday weekend, and your kids are ready for school. Meanwhile, Katerina could not open her locker. Ugh. Poor little baby. I know. She sat there for- She blamed a, it on her, on her small hands, which she said was because of me. <laughs> My hands yes, let me small. see your hand. Yeah. You do have smaller like surgeon's hands. surgeon's hands. They're nice. You have beautiful hands, actually. Not calluses. But you, from, yes, because you refuse to wear a glove when you work out. But you know what I thought might be Kat's problem? I think it might be her grip strength. Mm. Because I think when she does the locker, she well, then, does- Then it'd be good for her to have this locker. Yeah, so so when she does the locker, she's fine, except right to the end when you have to twist it really hard and yeah. then it opens. She can't hand she can't do it. So it'd be a good workout for her. So I got her a little squish ball oh, good. to squish to strengthen her hand. Good idea. Oh my gosh, it was maybe one of the most frustrating hour and a half of my life. Painful. <laughs>
But I was like, no, you're doing great, honey. Keep it up. All right. We're going to go enjoy our holiday weekend. Thank you guys all so much for your support. Don't forget to pre-order the Dubrow Diet. Anywhere books are sold, you can go to amazon.com or you can go to Barnes and Noble, anywhere you like. It's coming out October 15th. But if you pre-order it now, it will, I think it ships to you and you get it on that day. So be sure to do that. And thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig with Terry and Heather Dubrow. Download new episodes every week on the Podcast One app, iTunes, or at podcastone.com. On this season of Cold Case Files, we'll close the book on the Golden State Killer, a serial killer so prolific, investigators spent years thinking he was three different people. I think this offender is the most brazen in American history. We'll find cryptic clues on business cards, diaries, and tombstones. This defendant left his calling card at the scene of the crime. Get new episodes of Cold Case Files every Tuesday on Podcast One and your favorite podcast app.